Season 5, Episode 4, Life to the Extreme with Ty Pennington. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Millennial Homemakers Podcast, your resource for all things home, hostessing, and more. We're your hosts, Jackie Alexander and Jacqueline Humble. Can't believe who today's guest is. Me neither. Like, I'm on cloud nine. I'm in a dream. Like, pinch me. Because we got to talk with Ty Pennington. Like, the Ty Pennington. Yeah, like the actual Ty Pennington. This isn't some other Ty Pennington, which, I mean... Y'all may have been thinking that. Even another Ty Pennington? (laughs) Yes, the Ty Pennington. Extreme home makeover, trading spaces. Jackie and I got the opportunity to interview him, obviously, from the title Mm -hmm. of the show today for part of his promotion for his new book that has just come out today. Yes, which is called Life to the Extreme, How a Chaotic Kid Became America's Favorite Carpenter. And it's his memoir. Like he's written, has a couple other books, like design books, and I think a carpentry book. But this is his memoir, his story from his point of view. All about him. Basically all the things that made us like him. And Jackie and I, I think... Was it our first episode? One of our like first episodes. It was one of our very yes. first episodes. We talk about how we got interested in interior design, decorating, stuff like that. Because that is a big theme through the podcast. I know it's called Millennial Homemakers, but a big part of it is making our home beautiful. <laughs> and mm-hmm. both of us were obsessed with trading spaces. I remember watching it together in like middle school and high school. Because yes, Jackie and yes. I have been friends that long. <laughs> Yes, we won't say how many years. <laughs> I don't know. I can't even count that much anymore. <laughs> a lot of years. And we he he was always a staple on it because even though the designers mm-hmm. would change, and sure, they did have like, what, one or two other carpenters? Yeah, they have a couple carpenters that they like rotate it through. Right. But-, but he was such a staple of the show. And he arguably was probably the person who like that was the biggest bouncing point for their career Mm -hmm. I would say because then he got extreme home makeover and he talks about all that in his book but (laughs) I just you can't say training spaces without Ty Pennington and I just can't believe that we actually got to talk to him (laughs) and we got to talk to him during the second season of the Trading Spaces revamp. Yes! Where this season, like, he was a designer in one episode, and then I just watched another episode where he's the carpenter again. Blew my mind. Made me so happy. And he gives us a hint, actually, in our interview, because we talk about that and just our obsession with Trading Spaces in general. Um, He gives us a hint for a project that he worked on and in the new season. So if you're, you know, kind of one, it's not a spoiler. It's just a little like tidbit. Right. I'm so glad that he, and you get to hear it straight from. Ty. Yes. It's an exclusive, a millennial homemaker exclusive, hard hitting journalism over here. <laughs> <laughs> Putting my college degree to work. Yes, you are Jack. You are. <laughs> so anyway, um, here, let's just get to the interview. We hope you guys enjoy learning from Ty, listening to him as much as we enjoy talking to him. It's so much fun. Here you go. Welcome, Ty. Thank you so much for being on the Millennial Homemakers today. We've both been fans for years, watching you on Trading Spaces and Extreme Home Makeover. And honestly, I feel like you're an old friend, even though this is our first time talking to you. <laughs> um, but I'm sure you probably get that a lot. Uh, you know, it's interesting. People that like even see me in airports or whatever, I, I it's funny. People do seem to think they know me pretty well. But I, it's funny <laughs> because I've always been me on, you know, when I got mm-hmm. the 
the job on Chinese Spaces, my friends literally said to me, how did you get a job being you? And I was like, <laughs> I was qualified, I guess. Yeah, yeah. qualified. That's the best. Yeah. Hey, I yes. would, you know, it's good when people, you know, I guess that means you're you're being real if people think they know you. Yes. So that's good. Exactly. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump right in since we don't have a whole lot of time okay. with you. Um, but like you said, you've been in the public eye for a while. People think, you know, feel like they know you because you've been you the whole time. Uh, so what prompted you to write your memoir, uh, Life to the Extreme, now? Well, I would say, uh, uh, two things. Um, I one, I started living with my mom again. <laughs> it was okay. just quite an experience, um, and so I realized uh, that one, she's a saint, just to have put up with me uh, as long as she did. And then two, I was like, look at this; it all happens again. Now I'm sort of like you know dealing with her behavior, and I'm like, this is great. <laughs> um, but no, I think for me, like. I've met a lot of people uh, along my journey, and a lot of times people say, "Look, you know, I think it's so awesome that you've come out and talked about ADHD. We have a, you know, we have a kid who's struggling with that, and you've, you've really shown like, you know, the positive side of of the success some people can have with it. But mm-hmm. you know, there's like, let's face it, eight out of ten of those stories don't end so well. So like, I definitely like, you know, right. um, and so if I can inspire people with my story to, to let them know that like, yes. It's challenging not only for the child, but my God, it's even more challenging for the parents. Uh, <laughs> that that you know, all hope isn't lost. You know, sometimes an outlet mm-hmm. like there, you have to realize with every weakness, there's a strength. And so, uh, for me, luckily, my mom had the patience to see that. Like I was, I was good not at a lot of things, but I was decent <laughs> at, at, at you know being patient with artwork and, and, and drawing and, and, and working mm-hmm. with my hands. Uh, and as you guys hopefully read in the book, you know, I ended up, it's just hilarious. I destroyed most of the home as a child, but then <laughs> once they threw me outside, I built a three-story treehouse. Uh-huh. Convincing neighbors, uh, uh, you know, the kids in the neighborhood to, to bar their dad's tools. So yes, I brought a community together and we built a treehouse in, in one day. So it's sort of symbolic to what I would end up doing later in life. Absolutely. And I'm kind of surprised your mom let you move back in after everything. That oh my you did. God. So true. <laughs> okay. So Ty, we always ask our guests to give us three words to describe their style. So what three words or phrases would you to describe your design style? Well, um, I don't need three. I, I kind of, okay. I've always had a style that's called, I, I call it modern primitive, which okay. makes sense because it's an oxymoron, which is basically what I, that's my mm-hmm. fourth book, which would be called oxymoron. Um, <laughs> so what I mean by that is um, I definitely like a modern style, um, but sometimes I do things with wood, like I'll do mortise and tenon. I'll make sure that there's actually no screws. It's just like wooden pegs. So it's almost like, a primitive, let's say, mission style or um, um, something sort of farm style, but but with an Asian Scandinavian twist. Oh, so I love modern, that. Yeah, modern primitive is sort mm-hmm. of, uh, let's just say, um, sort of like Nakashima meets uh, the Ooms. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. It kind of, I feel like, combines both mine and Jacqueline's Yeah, that is one, very so true. Interesting. 
So in your book, you said that before you were hired on Trading Spaces, you were 33 years old, broke, you owed the IRS $28,000, and then you got the call back from the producer. So what tips do you have for someone that wants to be on reality TV, or did you do anything in your audition that helped set you up? All right, before I give you that tip, let me give you uh, another tip to any of you who owe money to the IRS. (laughs) You have 105 degrees on tax day, and it's due. Do not wander into H&R Block and write an an IOU to the IRS. Um, That will end up folding and, and, and turning into something astronomical much later down the road. Now, that being said, mm-hmm. also, if you owe that much money to your shrink, convince them to let you use your painting skills to pay off your debt. So, uh, and when he says to you, gosh, Ty, what are we going to do with you? You're so creative. You just need an outlet. I'm like, yeah, sure do. I also need you know to pay off this debt. So how about you let me pay off? Um, <laughs> I guess here's all I can say is when I got a call back uh, in the trading spaces, I went up um, for this audition in uh, Knoxville and I drove up from Atlanta. It was like a three hour mm-hmm. drive and I was in the middle of um, doing this kitchen reno and I, I had to get back. But I walk in the room and there's like these really tall, handsome dudes that all have brand new tool belts. I can see the price tag still hanging on them. I'm like, oh my God, so this is basically a, it's a, you know, it's a modeling casting right. call. Uh, and so I go in to the audition. There's this guy, Frank Bilek there. And he's like, uh, what's your name? I'm like, Ty. He goes, hey, Ty, why don't you build me a box? And uh, I can tell by the remnants of materials that previously people had built a flower box for him. Mm-hmm. Well, I started making this height. And, um, and so the cameraman realized I was going to build him a coffin. And uh, that when uh, the camera guy started laughing and shaking the camera. That, uh, so I guess what I'm saying is, as I walked away, I had an attitude that I honestly didn't care if I if I was chosen to be on their little TV game show because I didn't I wasn't really sure what it was yet. Right. And so I, was like, mm-hmm. I have to get back to this kitchen I'm doing, and this seems like it's really a great little project you guys are doing, and I don't know what it is. But that attitude, I think, because here's what I've learned. When I came out of graphic design school, I wanted to work for this company so bad. And I met with this guy and I sent a shoe that I glued a wing onto and I painted all these colors. And I said, I just want to get a foot in the door and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And I was so eager. The guy's like, look, man, um, we think you're great. You love your energy. Like do a uh, hundred more logos and come back and see us. I'm like, dude, I will work for free. Mm-hmm. He's like, I know, but we just can't use you right now. My point is when I went into that audition, I didn't care whether or not I got the job or not. And it's something about having that kind of confidence is how you mm-hmm. how I got the job. Now, that being said, that is exactly what they were looking for because the handy Andy on the, the British version of, of Changing Rooms was exactly that sarcastic way. Okay. And so, and I knew that because I looked at an episode, mm-hmm. but that also just happens to be who I am. So um, mm-hmm. I would just say, I will say this because I had told my agency back then Stop sending me out on these auditions that I'm not going to get. No one's going to book me as a 50-year-old man. I look 12 <laughs> most of my life. Okay? And so well, my point is, is, then they said, Ty, I think you need to go on this audition. Uh, they're looking for a carpenter um, that knows what he's doing. And I was like, well, I'm half of that. And so I said, <laughs> okay. So I got this video of me ripping a toilet out and throwing it out of a window. Um, and... Um, they were like, geez, this guy, we want to see him. So I would say this, like, whatever you do, make sure you're different than the, the person 
that whatever, just do something different, whether it's good or bad, so that they remember you, good or bad. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it definitely makes sense. And it sounds like, too, that in a way, just your personality, it was a good fit. So, you know, at the end of the day, it just seemed Mm -hmm. like, like you said, you've just always been yourself. So they were looking for you and they just didn't know it. That's right. Exactly. That's what I like to think. I I think that's right. Um, So one of our favorite quotes from your book is um, about being persistent. So you said, in life, random doors will show up in front of you. Do not run the other way, no matter what happens. And you face a lot of rejection in your life. So how did you deal with that? And then how did you find the strength to keep walking through those doors? It's weird. I think sometimes in life, it may not even be your door. Here's what I mean. Um, sometimes the first door you're shown, uh, as in my situation, was the door out, which is my family saying, okay, we've had enough. You've been lovely. You're 17. Uh, why don't you open that door of opportunity and just get the hell out of our house? So, um, but what I'm saying about that is, is in the beginning, I thought this was the worst thing happening to me. Like, oh no, uh-huh. I'm alone. It happened to be the best thing that ever happened to me is being kicked out and realizing you have to survive on your own. And so what I'm saying is, is a lot of times a door will shut or open and you may think it's the worst thing. It's actually the best thing that could ever happen to you. Now, that being said, at that same time, I had a friend whose girlfriend told me that, oh, by the way, I just got into this art school um, and I got a government grant. And I'm like, how did you get that? She goes, well, my mom, you know, is cleans houses. And so she basically doesn't report any of her taxes. <laughs> I'm like, great. So then I tried to do the same and my parents made like $3,000 too much or something. Right. My point is, is somebody else's door I was jealous of and was like, wait a minute, you got into art school? You, you just draw unicorns. I can draw like rats carrying bloody fingers. <laughs> so, um, and I was like, well, well, because of that, I decided to, to go open that door as well. Um, and now you understand like it, that led to another door and another door and another door. So I guess what I'm saying is, is, is even if, if not to mention, once I'd open those doors, all of a sudden I walk into this agency door and there's this Japanese scout who tells me to go to Japan cause I'll make some money modeling. And I'm like, I've never done that before. And he goes, does it matter? You'll make money. And I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. So my dad said, dude, you're going to go into child slavery. You're only guaranteed this much money. And I was like, yeah. I was like, well, I guess it's settled. And he goes, good. So you're not going. I go, no, I'm going. And he's like, you're an idiot. I go, yep. But uh, so my whole point is, is like, I had no idea what I was going to learn, what I was going to do, but I knew I'd never been down that path. Right. And you have to be willing to see where it goes. And, uh, and I did. And, um, and honestly, like, I would not have been ready for the audition on Trading Spaces had I not gone and become comfortable with a camera in my face. Right. Even though I've modeling, let's face it, male modeling is the most hilarious job <laughs> ever. Zoolander made that point very clear. It's hilarious. To this day, when I see the song Wham play, I just, <laughs> I'll never forget the gasoline scene. Uh-huh. And like, I, so for me, like, I look like I was 12, so I'm never going to make money in this industry. But, uh, the day that I, I like lost my book and, and my brother left um, my headshots in his car for the homeless guys to use his toilet paper was the beginning of a new career for me because that one ended. So again, a door closing 
was actually a great thing because I had no option. I had to go back to construction. I would have never gotten the job on training spaces had I not been doing all that again. So I, in a long one hour uh, answer, yes. <laughs> go through every door that's in your way. Like if you know it's the wrong door, just step back, wait for the next one. That's good advice. I think persistency, mm-hmm, you know, absolutely. just being persistent is good. Yes. Absolutely. You were originally interested in acting. Is that still something that you hope to do one day or are you glad that you ended up going the reality route? Well, I went to these, uh, when I was in New York, when I came back from Japan, I went to New York. By the way, I love your dogs. Oh, the yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing we can try no, to I have my that, German yeah, Shepherd quarantined in the it, kitchen. It, it, so what was I saying? Yes. Uh, so when I was in New York, I guess my agency, like they had promised me that I was going to make all this money and I, I knew they were lying. So I went and got a job at uh, a Mexican restaurant because I was like, sure I am. Um, but I ended up going on all these auditions and I landed like three commercials in a row. And then I was like, whoa, what is happening? Um, but later on in my third job, I asked this guy, I was like, hey, you guys booked me on that last commercial. Like, why do you think they're booking me on this? He goes, he goes, oh man, um, yeah, they brought you back because they seem to think you make everybody else look good. And I was like, what? <laughs> well, there's something about you that seems to bring out the best in everyone else. And I was like, what? So I'm a fluffer? I'm like, what? <laughs> My point is, is, like, I have this ability, I guess, to make other people feel comfortable. And I didn't even realize I had that gift. But then once I got on television, I realized, oh my God, that is what I do. Like right. people seem a little bit more themselves around me, which is like a really, and I didn't realize it was such a, a key thing to reality television. Now, while I was in work, I went to these classes and basically it was psychotherapy because I put on the phone and this guy got in my face. I almost killed this instructor, to be honest with you, like I was about to kill him because he, out of nowhere, that's what, by the way, it's, it's psychotherapy is what acting is. They break you down and say, you know, we don't want to share the whole nine yards. And basically I gave them, after I almost killed the instructor, I gave them a, a pretty good rendition of, of what acting looks like. And, um, and then I was like, oh, okay, that's it. Awesome. I get it. Um, but then I realized, look, I like to be sort of the best at whatever I'm going to do. And I looked at other actors in the world, the Sean Penns, the Jack Nicholson, the Meryl Streep's, that like, like these people are gifted, man. Like I don't, I don't have the right to go into there and act like I'm going to be anything close to that. And so like, my point is pick another genre that you can excel in every. And so that's kind of was my theory. That's on that. Yeah, that makes sense. And that is so true. You do seem to make people feel comfortable. And that's good for reality TV because that's a lot of those people's first time being in front of a camera, like you said. And the thing about acting, the thing about acting is, to be honest with you, what they say is just be yourself, which I find pretty hilarious <laughs> because that's what I do. So it all depends on your sort of idea of what acting right. is. So, okay, go ahead. Oh, you're Next fine. Question. <laughs> So from an outsider's perspective, Trading Spaces and Extreme Home Makeover are similar shows because they're similar genres, but it's very different. One's about neighbor drama, and then one is more uh, giving back focus, charity focus. So what did you like most about working on both Trading Spaces and Extreme Home Makeovers? And then second part of that question is biggest takeaways from the show, just like you're talking about going through different doors, all taught you lessons. So what are some lessons that you learned from those two shows? Well, clearly the, the biggest lesson I learned on training spaces was how to work with nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. when the designers gave me $40 to, to build basically three to four pieces of furniture, I was like, are you serious? Like, do you realize that's impossible? But 
not only that, we really only had a day and a half to do all of that work. And so I was forced to learn to work fast, to work cheap, and to work well. At the same time, try and have fun while you're doing it. Um, and here's why I think Training Spaces is an amazing show, an amazing format. It is, it is a rare show in the sense that everybody has a great time. Like it is nothing but fun uh, the moment we start, the moment we finish, because we're basically having a party with paint in your house. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Now, that being said, there are a few people that aren't pleased with the results of, you know, one or two designers that happen to maybe just be a little insane. <laughs> and um, because of that, I think that makes the best part of the show because it's a variety pack of personality and style. And you don't know what's, you don't know what package of cereal you're going to get depending on what episode you're on. And so because of that, you just don't know the ending until the very end. And for me, I think that's what makes it such a great show. Also, this is that on that show, you know, the reason I came back and the reason I wanted certain people to make sure they all came back is because in this world of everyone's branding themselves and we have a certain look here and a certain look there, it's got to be this, it's got to be that. Training Spaces pushes the boundaries of creativity. Like, let's see what we can do with 10,000 paper cups or blah, 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 blah. But my point is, is like, it's, it's a rare show that makes you make really something amazing out of nothing. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, mm -hmm. and that's why I love it, because it's, it's basically a bunch of artists creating cool stuff. None of it should ever be repeated. I mean, I saw Genevieve using liquid nail on the back of ceramic tile. And one of the <laughs> other ones, and I was like, that is just the best. Terrible yeah. idea. And, uh, but, but look, we're a bunch of creative artists who, who you, you, know, you invite us into our homes. We're going we're gonna to have fun. We're going to create something really cool no one's ever seen. Uh, some people are going to mm -hmm. make their own brand and try and sell their own business. But I don't think that's what the show should be. Save that for something on another mm -hmm. channel, which is like, you know, buy my product, buy my product. Right. Uh, in the world. And what's great about these spaces is, oh, my God, did you see what they did? Right. That's that show. Now, Extreme Home mm -hmm. Edition literally is making people cry for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. And it's truly uh, people going above and beyond to make not only a house beautiful, but really finding the, the, the key thing that is the emotional hook that makes someone walk into a room and realize that they have thought about everything that these people have, have gone through in their life and have brought this one special moment to be on a wall or on a bed or, or something that really says, oh my God, this is just for me. And I would build custom pieces of furniture that like on CNC routers, I mean, like I would put so much of myself into these rooms. And of course you never saw them because they're in the secret room. Right. So to this day, people don't even believe I actually designed or built the furniture. But, um, but like, it's some of the nicest stuff I've ever left in any home, but it's because I wanted them to know that it was a personal gift for me. So they didn't just get mm -hmm. a piece of furniture from the local, you know, furniture store. They actually got a custom piece designed and built by, by me and my team. So yeah, I hope that, I hope that was your Oh answer. no, that's great. And that's like our favorite part about trading spaces. That was originally why we even started being interested in interior design and homemaking was mm -hmm. that once we got married, we were like, yay, we get to play trading spaces at our own homes because we don't, you know, we don't have a lot of money. So it was, that was kind of fun, but we didn't put it. Yeah, and since we never, 
encourage your parents to yeah. apply to be on training yeah. bases. Well, you still can. You still can. And by the way, there's a couple of really good episodes oh, coming we're, up. Let's just say, we're excited. Uh, but we're I haven't glued <laughs> hay to my walls. <laughs> so I, I've actually, uh, I would just give a sneak uh-huh. uh, to it. There's a trading spaces coming up pretty soon that's called like extreme uh, trading space or something. And I would just give a clue. I use a little bit of hay on that particular oh, no. one. But, but, oh yeah, but you have to wait to see what the hay is used for. It's so Okay, good. good. I'm glad uh, that you kind of have referenced back, you know, bring that back. <laughs> So speaking of trading spaces and the new trading spaces, we were so excited that you were a designer and this time around. Uh, was it How different was it for you? What was it like being the designer instead of the carpenter? Oh my God. Let me just say this. Being a carpenter is so much easier. You can sit outside without any clothes on, basically just building until, you know, until they come out with cameras and you have to shoot your three or four scenes and then you're done with television and you're like, yes. Um, when... <laughs> When you've got to be the designer, not only are you on camera every single moment, but you have to explain every single process you're going through. And in the process, mm-hmm. every every homeowner is definitely not on board with what you're doing because nobody trusts anybody with ideas. They're like, I don't know about this. And so you're constantly, and I laugh at that because I'm like, yeah, of course you don't. Like, you have no idea where this is going, but that's the process. That's what the show is. But um. I love it because nobody ever really sees me in, a, in that light because you either saw me building stuff on trading mm-hmm. places and I, I had a secret room on extreme. So you never really saw the ideas I had or even the process uh-huh. I went through so on trading spaces. You finally see how my brain is working. You're like, Oh wow. So, and trust me, I do a bunch of bad, horrible things just like everyone else does like custom paint my own curtains out of like sponges and people are like, well, I think I would have just bought my own curtains. You could have, yes, but that's not your right. So that's my point. It's like it's funny where you're like, we didn't have to do this, did we? We're like, no, but it's a better episode. Right? Yeah, yeah, that is true. <laughs> I I enjoyed seeing you on the designer side, so I look forward to more of that this season. And I love in your most recent one, I think it was the master bedroom oasis when the homeowner kept saying, I'm just going to trust you, Ty. I'm just going to trust you. I'm like, that's all you can do at this point. And of course they loved it. They freaked out. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was a little busy for my taste, but I think it was still nice. Yeah, that's awesome. And they loved it. So for our last question, um, as an artist, you said that you think that you're always uh, hoping You'll outdo yourself and be amazed at what comes next. So what keeps you looking forward and not behind? And then what helps you not compare yourself to the competition? If there's really competition at Ty Pennington, let's be honest. (laughs) Nice deep question, by the way. You're welcome. The beauty of like art is that um, there's so many categories, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's designing interiors, there's designing furniture, there's, there's, you know, doing paintings, fine art, there's doing watercolors, there's uh, designing planners, there's, I mean, like, it's endless. And so you have to understand too, like, I've designed an entire line of home furnishings, furniture, like plates, glasses, so like, like, like the dreams I've actually lived are insane. So it it is very hard to sort of top, like, what are you going to do next? Like, you know, do, uh, you know, a sculpture that's going to be, it's, so I think for me, like, it's, um, I, as, as I think someone once said about me, somebody asked a question one time, like, when do you relax? 
And this guy who's a friend of mine who happened to be my assistant at the time was like, dude, the only time he relaxes is when he finds out he's got a new mm-hmm. project. Because mm-hmm. then it mm-hmm. starts already like unfolding files of like what it could be. And so for me, mm-hmm. like, I think I'm happiest when I'm not at the, when I'm in the middle, when I'm deciding, I'm, I'm, I'm coming up with a eureka idea. So what I'm saying is, is that that process where your mind is coming up with the idea and you realize, oh, this could be really good. So then it's the execution and then it's coming up. And so it depends, it could be anything. Like it could be designing a house, it could be designing a restaurant, it could be designing a menu. So for me, I leave open to uh, all kinds of cool things, not to mention like, you know, I built eight houses in Africa uh, two years ago um, that one became a birthing center uh, because women are really oh, wow. like dying when they give birth over there. And so you never know what uh, goes back to the first question about doors. You know? mm-hmm. Like I am, I'm excited about what literally, uh, what door is going to open next that uh, will allow me to use my creativity in any way to create either content or to, to be creative and create something visual. But um, I love the process of making television as well. It's like, I've been doing it for so long. It's like secondhand. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's uh, I can't wait to see what that is either. I've got a bunch on my mm-hmm. list. Uh, and let's just hope that I get get around to actually getting it done. Um, but uh, yeah, at the at the moment, I'm taking some of my mom's humor and just sort of processing and trying to make art out of that. <laughs> because he says things like, "It ain't old getting easy," and you're like, "Wow, that's a great quote." <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and I think too, in your book, I know that you said like, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And so it seems like you're just always like to be busy, so that doesn't give you a lot of time to look side to side. And I think that's a good lesson that I can take. Whenever I'm busy, I'm always the most content. Content. And when you're busy, um, you don't have time to overthink everything because that's what right. we do, right? And then, like, that's what's right. down is overthinking. So yeah, the busy we are, the more we keep going. And I think that, you know, just like a, a body in motion stays in motion, a brain in motion does the same. So yeah, as long, yeah. As, long as I'm in motion and my brain is moving at a rat pace, I, I think I'm content. I'm happy. Thank you so much for being on. And Ty, where can we buy your new book, Life to the Extreme? Well, you can buy it. I'm hoping on Amazon and anywhere books are sold. So yeah, it's everywhere. And then where's your favorite place for us to connect with you and hang out online? I know the Ty Pennington is your Instagram handle and yeah. I enjoy your stories. Oh my God. Thank you. And I know I, I, it's funny that I play music like every music Monday and they're all bad, but it's so funny that I'll, I'll put out some like Devo and people are like, wow, he even got on the outfit. That's amazing. So, uh, so yeah, I, uh, yeah, hit me like, check out my Instagram. Uh, you can pick up the book literally anywhere. It's so much fun to, uh, to write. I had a blast doing it. Um, and, and by the way, I wrote it in a week, just like building a house, which is so insane. My day job, I'm a writer. And so like that blew me away, that sentence right there at the beginning of the book. And it's a lot of fun to read too. So we can't wait for our listeners to get their hands on it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Absolutely. Ty. Okay. Bye guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that y'all enjoyed it. Please leave us feedback in the iTunes store or whatever we're on, podcast apps. I always say iTunes, but it is iTunes. They keep changing the name. It is iTunes on my computer. So That's fair. <laughs> whatever. I mean, it's, 
Apple keeps changing the name of the app, so it's not your fault. Yeah, that is true. So wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can follow us at the Millennial Homemakers if you want to stay in touch with us. Maybe this interview brought you to our show. Um, Or you can follow me individually at Jacqueline Humble. You can follow Jackie at JVAlexander16. We love Instagram, and we live on there like online. We um, would also love for you to join our Facebook group, the Millennial Homemakers, so that you can connect with other homemakers and we can talk about this episode and how much we love Ty. Yeah. And how like awesome it was that we even got to interview Ty. And that's because of y'all for listening. So thank you for listening and supporting us, even though we have like random breaks unannounced quite often. We have have personal lives that like to get in the way. Yes. And we are sorry for that. So thank you for bearing with us, especially if you've been listening to us for a long time. Thank you. We are back um, to hopefully a semi-regular schedule. Um, Yes. Awesome. All right. Hope that y'all have a great week and we will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.